0: Yeah. glorious. You are above all, in all, through all. We are sustained by your word. We're sustained, O oh Lord, in and through you. We have no being outside of you. Holy Father, I thank you that you are so kind to us and your love has been expressed through giving. You gave us all things you've poured out Lord so that we would know that we're loved you have adopted us into your family Holy Father we're not orphans we have not been left alone and you've given us this amazing portion the opportunity to partner with you and see the redemption of this world and we're so grateful Father for the opportunity and Lord, even for the situations that we face in this life, in this moment of history, Father, we know that you are the one who rules, and he who is enthroned in the heavens laughs at the schemes of the enemy. Oh, why are the nations in an uproar? They plot a vain thing, because the Lord and his sovereignty rules. Lord, I thank you. That your Lordship, Jesus, is supreme, and at the end of the day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And Father, I thank you for this moment and this opportunity to come before you, and we're asking, Father, that you pour out your Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? I pray that you would strengthen your word on each person, that each one would come alive in your presence today and know your voice, Father that you would give them revelation, that they could see more clearly. Lord, that our hearts and our minds could come into agreement with what you've said and lies would be exposed, that power of those lies would be separated from our lives. And Father, I thank you also that you would give us wisdom Lord, that when we walk out of here today, we're transformed and the world gets impacted. So Father, I thank you for these things. I'm praying them right now in Jesus' name on our behalf. Amen. 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 Last week, I began uh, talking about the role of the generations, seeing one generation and its impact in the next, how the Father talks to us end from the beginning, how he determines how a matter will turn out before he starts it, how... The Father proclaims his will and creates, sets it in motion already with the end in mind, has marked the ending with glory, a weightiness, the kavod, the glory of the Lord, has marked it so that every time there is movement, it moves towards that glorious ending. That's your life. It will turn for good. In the end, you will be fully redeemed. When you see him, you'll be changed into his likeness. And as you walk this earth and this lifetime, we catch glimpses, though it might be dim, like we're peering through a mirror that's lit, you know, just uh, dimly. And, And when you catch glimpses, you're transformed and our lives get impacted by the reality of what we see because as we see him, we're made into his likeness. Glory to glory, we're watching as the generations, from one generation to the next, they proclaim what God's done in their generation, and the next generation rises up, receives what God has done, and then they begin to face their moment in history. And from generation to generation, we watch as God's plan unfolds. Every generation gets the opportunity to receive, to stand up in their moment, Will they receive what God's done in previous generations? Will they walk in it? Will they stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before them? Or do we have to learn all the lessons again? Do we have to start over? In some regard, there is no movement backwards. You know, the government of the Lord, it's always on the increase. What the Lord has released into the earth, it doesn't diminish ever. But your opportunity to seize the day, your opportunity to stand upon what God's done in previous generations, that's up to you. Will you reject the things that your parents walked in just because you're angry or you reject what they believed? Do you have to learn it all for yourself? Or can you receive with thanksgiving what God did in one generation and not have to learn it yourself? Up to you. It goes beyond the single generation, though it goes to multiple generations. The picture is far bigger. And what happens when you begin to catch a glimpse of God's timeline, how it is multi-generational. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God who is our Lord. He is the God who was the God of Adam in the beginning as well. Do we have to start over with every generation or are we able to receive and move forward? Are you alive today? We began this conversation last week and I I shared a story and I want to share it again real quickly because the analogy still holds. I was in this prayer meeting. uh, It was for the Dakota County intercessors. Um, Some of them are hanging out with us today. That group would meet monthly and they needed someone to lead worship for them and so I volunteered and uh, I was 27 at the time, and I'm leading worship once a month for this group of intercessors that represented our region. And that group was mostly, um, you know, previous generation. They're, uh, they're a group who, uh, uh, you know, most had blue hair. We'll just put it that way, okay? Uh, that. We're alive in God and in spirit, and I was privileged to lead worship for them and get to partner with them in that ministry. It was wonderful. One evening, there was a speaker, and that speaker began to share um, the, a vision of transformation for the Twin Cities and what God wanted to do. And as I sat there listening, I had this thought come over me. I, I looked at the crowd of people, I was sitting in the back of the room, and I recognized that most were of the later generation, the previous generation, but the man who was sharing was talking about the next generation, younger people. And the difference between who he was talking to and the audience was stark. And I said to myself, dude, you are talking to the wrong audience. Like this group of people are unable to achieve what you are laying out for them. There's no young people here. And I said in my heart man, there's no way that they're going to be able to do that. And as if the Lord was listening, which he was, he interrupted my thoughts and said to me, you're right, son. They will not be able to do what I've called them to do without you. And in my heart for a moment, I was like, yeah, feeling validated, powerful, right? And then it set in. Ooh, uh uh-oh. Because I could hear the Lord's next statement where he said, and you will be unable to accomplish what I've called you to without them. And in that moment, I had a vision as the room was filled from floor to ceiling with gold coins and I knew that's the inheritance of a previous generation and that that inheritance was necessary if my generation was going to accomplish what God wanted us to do. And I could also see that a bridge needed to be built, that there was, it's going to go into the ground with that previous generation unless someone built a bridge to receive. You with me so far? I began talking about that last week because we, we were looking at the role of one generation to the next and what God does and how do we see the baton passed. What is our calling? What are we supposed to do as those who have experienced God, have been running our race? And then we look at the next generation, and and it appears from the outset that they are different than we. That there's something going on in the next generation that marks them as special and significant for sure. God chose them to face all of the dysfunction and the problems of our world. Their generation is the one that's going to have to rise up with solutions. Okay, even the problems that we, our generation, caused, they are the ones that are having to face it. And how God had anointed them and set them apart for this purpose that they must, oh man, man, what an amazing moment in history that God would choose this generation for that. But then when we see the rift, when we see the difference between those who have walked with God in history. And where this current generation is at, it's kind of difficult right now to see how that baton is passed. Our conversation last week led us to the story of Moses and how the Israelites had come out of slavery and they needed water. They're in the wilderness. They're going to thirst to death. And the Lord produced water and it's this amazing miracle. And immediately when the Lord produces the solution... An enemy comes and begins to try to steal the water from the Israelites. Immediately, when the goodness of God and his provision rises up in one generation, the enemy comes to try to steal, try to kill, try to destroy. That enemy comes in, and Moses' response was this. Moses said to Joshua, who is a representative of the next generation: Joshua, go take the boys. And go to battle. So Joshua and the younger generation go out to the battlefield to face the enemy that had come to steal the breakthrough, the testimony of what God had just done. Joshua goes out in the battlefield, and Moses says to him, Joshua, look over at that hill. See, that's where the water's coming from. That's where I'm gonna be standing. And I'm gonna bring the rod of God. And you'll see me there, so if you ever get in doubt, look to the hill and look to see. There I will be standing, lifting up the rod of God. That rod of God, the physical stick, that thing was the same rod that stretched over the Red Sea and the sea parted. It's the same rod that struck the Nile River and it's turned to blood. It's the same rod that brought deliverance and provision in all the supernatural testimonies of God's provision for the people of Israel it's represented in that little stick and Moses is on standing on the current testimony of God's provision lifting up the testimony of what God has done in the past and if ever there was a doubt that Joshua is in the battle and he's wondering what should we do all he needs to do is look over and there's Moses lifting up the story of what God has done in the past and he finds courage. Are you with me? That's the natural side of things. But the supernatural side of things is that every time Moses lifts up his arms, Joshua wins. But every time he lets his arms come down, Joshua begins to lose. Every time the testimony of what God's done in the past is lifted up, the next generation starts to win their battles. But when we stop talking about our encounters with God, when we stop sharing what God's done in the past, when that testimony is lowered, the next generation loses their way. Our job as the older, our job as the previous generation, those who have had encounters with the Lord, our job is to lift up the testimony of what God has done in our encounters and His faithfulness to us is to lift them up until the next generation has their own. Because once the victory is secured, once Joshua has his own victory, he'll never doubt again. He'll go into the promised land and be able to go to war and he'll never have an issue. He doesn't need Moses to hold up the testimony anymore. Why? Because Joshua has experienced the victory. Do you see this? Yeah. Our job as this generation is to provide a God encounter for the next Our job is to proclaim the goodness of God until the next generation experiences the good of God. My job as a dad is to talk, to hold up my testimony to my children until they themselves have their own encounters with Jesus. It's to say over and over, God is real. He's been faithful in my life. Look, children, look at the stories. Look at what God's done. Has there been pain? Sure. Has there been failure? Sure. Has there been disappointments? Yep, lots of them. But look. Look at God's faithfulness. Look at, look at where we're at. Look at what he's done. This is your heritage. This is who you are. This is your identity. So if you ever get lost in the wilderness, all you got to do is remember. Do you, you get this? Well, that went on for like two hours last week. If you want to hear that, go for it. I want to pick up the story because there's two parts to every baton passing. You have the generation who's been running, and you have the one that's coming. Okay? We are looking to God abundantly supplying the needs of the next generation so that they stand on our shoulders and they go further. I don't want my kids to repeat my mistakes. I don't want my kids to face the same failures. Are you with me? Man, you you want your kids to do the best. You want them to succeed. You want them to, you know, and and I, I I think our kids see the whole thing. You know, as much as you might think you are putting on a good show, they know you. They know you. So you might as well be honest with the process. Be authentic with it. Do you have some struggles? Do your kids know that? Yes, they do. Do you talk about it? Probably not, but you probably should. And talk about God's faithfulness. Are you... Authenticity is so important in this process. Being real with God, receiving His mercy, His grace for today, it's, it's, it requires authenticity. And so we have, to, we have to teach this. We have to help them to embrace it. This reality of... One generation proclaiming the story of God to the next. Oh, that theme is all throughout the scriptures. And the inheritance of a generation being passed off is absolutely necessary. Otherwise, we see what happened with Elisha and Elijah. Elijah passes off the ministry to Elisha, and Elisha goes further. But when it comes to the end of Elisha's life, Elisha's servant did not do what I am talking to you about today. Elisha's servant dropped the baton, refused to honor, value, refused, tried to go his own way, do it his own way. As a result, that anointing, the power of God, went to the grave with Elisha and did not get passed on to the next generation. That cannot happen in this moment of history. There will be, far, this, there will be setbacks that are so difficult. This generation is called to rise up and face some of the biggest dilemmas that our planet has faced in history. We're at the doorstep of major breakthroughs or major catastrophes. And God chose your kids to face them. Chose my kids to face them. So my responsibility, who hold up the rod of God. Right? Young ones... Younger generation, rising, running up to grab the baton so they can keep going. This transition is so important. The business world recognizes it. The largest transfer of wealth in all of human history is happening right now in our front of us. Most wealth ever to be transferred from one generation to the next is happening right now in this moment of time. All of the generation who started companies, led them to success, you know, and has found great prosperity, as they are retiring, stepping out of it, looking at their next phase of life, they have to pass the baton. And the difficulty is, is that if you don't have someone who carries the same values, someone who cares about the things you care about, someone who is looking to see what God put in your heart what the ambition of that business was, when when the next generation does not rise up and have the same value for it, that baton can't be passed. There won't be trust. And as a result, that inheritance will fall to the ground. It won't get passed on. See, when a business, it's really easy to talk about this in terms of financial sense. It's a little more difficult to talk about the spiritual. The financial is really tangible. The financial, a business has value because it performs a function. It has a value to it. And as long as the business is functioning and has clients, money is generated, people can be hired, employees happening, that thing is a life cycle that is generating resource. But when you close the company, that resource stops being generated, people stop having jobs, and the only thing of value now is the equipment, and the equipment isn't worth squat. Nobody wants it. New technology is better. No one wants your old technology. Do you see the problem? And so literally you have a company that could be worth so much money and great resource, and if it could just be passed off to somebody, if the value could be interpreted by the next generation of something valuable, willing to risk, willing to push for, willing to grab hold of, then that value will remain because the next generation will rise up, grab hold of it, and make the thing keep going. You see that. But if if the baton drops and it goes to a sale... uh, Only thing worth money there is the equipment and the real estate. And all the value goes into the ground. Do you see this? Y'all, literally, this moment in history has seen the largest transfer of wealth ever in human history right now. Trillions of dollars. Now, I have this belief that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. I believe... I really do. I believe that the Lord is not interested in seeing what people paid a price for just fall to the ground. It doesn't make any sense. I think he wants to redeem. I think he wants to raise up sons and daughters to go after things. Now, the answer is the next generation rising up and seizing the day, grabbing hold of it, believing, going after it. I know, it's sad. But I promise, little one, you're going to succeed. Why? Because this group's not going to let you fall. When we talk about spiritual inheritances, it's a little more, you know, theoretical because it's not as tangible. But I promise you, it's just as real. What God's done in your life has value. The stories have great value. If you pass away without passing those things on, what a bummer. It's not necessary. The next generation rising up and building a bridge from their side of things looks like this. This is Psalms 24. This is where we're going to camp out the remainder of the time. Psalms 24. We start in verse 1. We'll put it up on the screen for you. We're going to go verses 1 through 6 and talk about that and then... 7 through 10 after that. So, starting in verse 1. The, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. All belongs to the Lord. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Okay? He has founded it upon the seas and he established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face, even Jacob. Okay, we're going to pause there. This is the generation who seek God and will receive something from him. How can a generation seek God and receive the blessing from him. This is what we're after. This is what I am after. I want to see the young generation seek the Lord by honoring those who've gone before them and as a result receive the inheritance that God has destined them to walk in. Has to happen but how do you do it? It says it right here. Look at this. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Can you go and get something from God? Look at this. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. If you got a false motive, it isn't going to happen. You have a twisted motive. You want something out of this that has nothing to do with what we're intending. Ah, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. The Lord sees through it. Lord, anoint me so I can go to the nations. Um, If what's really in your heart is anoint me so I can have a platform and tell people what to do, that ain't going to work. Your motive actually matters. The Lord sees through it, and frankly, so do leaders around you, so knock it off. (laughs) He who has a clean heart, clean hands, and a pure heart. In other words, he can't. He who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. Authenticity is necessary. Now, I tell young people all the time, listen, you want this? You want the baton? Awesome. You better start running because I'm still running. You want it, come on, come get you some. Okay, but I'm still running, which means if you want impartation, if you want this, then you've got to start running. Authentically chasing God. It's not going to just show up like a UPS package, right? You ordered it on Amazon and you get it. No, that's not how it works. The same process for receiving something from the Lord is how the Lord gives, releases the impartation of one generation to the next. If you have a deceitful motive, if you have something that you're after, listen, even in the workplace, I promise you, a CEO, an owner of a company, let's say you're next in line for that business. Let's say you're the next person in line in a business. And the owner of that company has been working with you a while. And he's going to pass on or she's going to pass on this company. And you're assuming next in line, it goes to me. The problem is that when you talk, you talk about different motivations than that company was founded on. The problem is that every time an idea is brought up, you challenge it instead of coming to alignment with it to make it better. You're like, no, 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 we got to do something different. And you're always taking it a different direction than the CEO or the owner actually wants it to go in. So when it comes to the end of that journey and the baton's going to be passed, who do you think that baton's going to be passed to? Do you think it's going to be passed to somebody who's going to take it in a new direction or will it be passed to somebody who has been faithful with the little things in accordance with the purposes that you destined it to be? There's a proverb that says, the servant who is faithful will share in the inheritance with the sons. In other words... When you serve and you go low and you're actually wanting what's best, you're serving, you have a pure motive. You're not trying to just get something out of this. That's where the Lord can bring promotion in your life. (laughs) It got quiet up in here. You got this. Come on. The only way a generation rises up in destiny, stand on the shoulders of those who gone before, is through authentically valuing what the previous generation has stewarded. You gotta care. Show value, honor. Man, it's yours. Like I said, I'm running. Now, like, come get you some. Okay? There's a difference between, and this is where I think people get confused, and I just wanna say it. Impartation, in other words, like adding value to you. Sharing in what God's done in my life, you can have it in your life too. That thing is easy to pass off. Blessing, walking with people, teaching people, discipling people how to do what you do, all that, and in honor, that stuff can be passed off. A mantle is a responsibility. It's an assignment. Elijah had a responsibility to be the judge over Israel, the prophet over Israel. That responsibility, that mantle got passed off to Elisha because Elisha also loved Israel and was willing to stand in that place. And when Elijah was done with it, the assignment, he completed his assignment, it could be passed off. Okay, you have a call on your life and you're using your mantle right now. And so while I appreciate the sentiment where I hear young people and I'll hear people go, I want the double portion of the mantle that you walk in. Or, you know, they'll do kind of things, the guest speakers. I appreciate that. I love the sentiment behind it. But they're using it at the time. I'm using mine right now. You can have it when I'm done with it. Right? Again, the baton gets passed at the end of the race, not the beginning. And that's why we run with people and we walk with people and we serve people. Impartation you can have, man, at any stage of the race. Come get you some. But if you're, this generation is one that's supposed to stand on the shoulders and go further. That means we got to rise up and we got to grab hold, apprehend through honor, through value, what God's done in the past. Is anybody alive in this room today? Chapter 24 verse 7 Lift up your head, O gate, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory can come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord in mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory can come in. Who is the king of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the king of glory. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the God of angel armies. When you raise up the testimony, the angels of heaven come and advance. The angels of heaven see the battlefront. The banner of the Lord, the banner is where the battlefront is at. And when you raise up the testimony angels of heaven recognize this is where the battlefront is at, and the battle becomes the Lord's, not just yours. This next generation has many battles in front of them, and the battle belongs to the Lord, not to them. That is why it's so important for us to do what we're talking about here today, because the King of Glory wants to come in and touch that situation. The King of Glory wants to talk to us about the nations. The King of Glory wants to talk to us about race relations. The King of Glory wants to talk to us about economics, social equities, wants to talk to us about nationalistic pursuits versus global, wants to talk to us about The health of this world, the current climate of this world, both natural and socioeconomic, wants to talk to us about energy, wants to talk to us because there are solutions at hand, and the King of Glory wants in on the action. The Lord, the earth belongs to the Lord. That's why you and I have to open up ancient doors and open up modern gates. Why? Because the King of Glory wants some. How do you do that? The God of angel armies wants you to take the battle you are fighting and make it his, not just yours. An ancient door, doors are places of transition. They just, they're rooms. Think of a home, house, and every room is a generation. Okay? Doors are transitions from one generation to the next. God's done things in past generations that he wants what he's done in the past not to be forgotten about, but to move forward so that it impacts the current moment of history. There are some things that God's done in history that we could use a repeat around. An ancient door is a transition from one generation to the next where God did some stuff over there. Now, a doorway, that could be open, that could be closed. And you know what's interesting is that what opens a door to a previous generation is honor. It's honor. It's value. If you ascribe value to what God did in a previous generation, you recognize that what God did in your grandparents' life is important, so you sit at their feet and hear their stories. You demonstrate value. You go after it. You don't sit back just waiting for them to die. You go get it. Go get a blessing. Approach them wholeheartedly. I want what you walked in. I love you. I care about you. I want to carry what God gave to your life. It's supposed to not end with you. It's supposed to keep going. Tell me stories, Grandpa. It goes beyond just the ones we can touch, though. It goes to previous generations. You know, in the 1800s, there was something called the Second Great Awakening. There was a camp meeting. It's called the Red River Revival. It happened in Kentucky. There was frontier churches that are all spread around, and they used to have these circuit rider pastors is what they would call them. They would go on horseback, and they would preach in one little development and doing next one and next one next one and the communities weren't large enough to sustain a church in their own community and so they would have one pastor ministering to many communities and that's just the way things went well one day somebody got the idea let's bring everybody together let's have a, a, a camp meeting so all the families came together and they're going to hear preaching they're going to worship together in unity like this well they they hold this meeting, and the presence of God shows up in such power that everybody gets wiped out. It's the beginning of the second great awakening in America, a move of God that would sweep our land. You know, many, many powerful moments in history take place during this time, but this experience, they said to the people, don't climb the trees. They were tempted to climb the trees because you couldn't get a good view of the platform of the preachers from the ground because everybody's on the same level. So people would climb the trees but when the presence of God would come blowing through the camp, people fall out the trees. (laughs) The glory touches someone's life and boom they get slain in the spirit. Whatever you want to call that. You know, why do people get slain in the spirit? Why do people fall down when others pray? Because they can't stand up. That's the only reason. People try to spiritualize that thing. No, you become heavy. His weight comes on you, the kavod, the glory, touches your life, and you won't be able to stand up. That ain't, that's people, nobody taking a courtesy bow around here. I'm telling you. They climb the trees, and nobody's trying to fall out a tree. And so they would say, don't climb the trees. When the presence of God comes, you'll fall out of it. Camp meetings coming in together like that, God's presence. I wonder if there's something in that that we could honor and value and receive today. Welsh Revival, 1904. Let's move it up 100 years. Evan Roberts. Stories about Evan Roberts. The presence of God came to Wales, started touching this little community. There was one young man who was crying out in a back chapel, bend me, Lord. Crying out for God to move on his life, and he was willing to be bent over for the sake of others. He was saying, I'm laying my life down and crying out, Lord, that you would move through me. The presence of God began to visit that place, and God used Evan Roberts so powerfully, incredibly powerfully. It was said of him that when he would come into a place, first of all, the whole town would gather because they're wanting to see the spectacle. And he would come, and he would sit on the front row, and he would wait. And he would wait, and he would wait until he felt the presence of the Lord, until the Lord spoke to him, until the Lord moved. He wouldn't move. There are stories of him sitting there for three hours in the congregation behind him, just sitting patiently and waiting. And then when the Lord spoke to him, he got up, preached, boom, the power of God fell in the place. Should we try it? Do you understand the value of waiting on the Lord? And doing what he's doing. Do you get that? And when you behave like this, you have access to what God's done in history. Have some honor, value it, recognize that there's more to this than just a nice church day. Cross the pond in a little place called Los Angeles. There's a little mission called the Azusa Street. Mission. So old horse stable. They began meeting there, waiting on the Lord. Very similar situation. Young man leading these meetings, African-American man. He was known for taking and putting a bag on his head so he wouldn't be distracted by all the wants of people. And he would wait on the presence of the Lord and when the glory would come, boom, stuff happened. The miracle stories out of the Azusa Street Revival are ridiculous. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and God's fire fell in that place. It was said that when they were holding meetings, the fire department in Los Angeles would get called to that building because they would see flames jumping out the top of the building. And it was literally just the presence of God. The kids would play hide and seek in the glory cloud that was along the ground. Because you couldn't see through it. That's the weight of God's presence which manifests like a cloud in the room. When you hear someone go, oh, there's a glory cloud. No, that's a smoke machine. That's not what I'm talking about. No, no, no. A glory cloud so thick that kids can hide and seek around it. Let me tell you, if you're in that kind of situation, your kids have had an encounter, they're taking that ball forward. We want this or not? Can I tell you something? This is a little, little, uh, this is something that blew my mind. I, I don't even know, I don't know what to think of it yet. Okay. But Azusa Street Revival started on April 9th, 1906. The house church started April 9th, 2006, 100 years later, to the day. That's weird. That's weird. It's like, that's weird coincidence. God wants to do something in this generation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to us today. That victory and faith of people who walked before us, that's an ancient door that's open. You should go get that inheritance through thanksgiving and honor. You shouldn't devalue what you don't understand. You should leave that door open and let the Lord bring it into your life. Come on, Argentina, I love this one. Okay, 1980s, a revival swept the nation of Argentina. It lasted 30 years. They had national transformation. Okay, there was this little-known evangelist called Carlos Anacondia. And he would go from city to city, and the eventuality of it is that he's preaching in stadiums in the city, and they would tell the transit people, the, the, the bus drivers, transit authority in the cities that he was going to, listen, Carlos is preaching tonight. When the people on your bus begin to manifest, just bring them down to the stadium and drop them off. We'll take care of it. <laughs> manifest demons. <laughs> like spiritual stuff. And so quite literally, the bus drivers are in on it. And so Carlos begins to preach deliverance in stadiums, and the whole city comes under conviction to where people who aren't listening to the preaching are manifesting demons. The bus drivers bring them over to the stadium, drop them off, and the deliverance team takes care of the people. That's awesome. Come on, how about a, how about a healing movement where ambulance drivers stop them by church before the hospital? think there's more to this thing that God wants to do in our generation. These are old ideas. These aren't the new ones. There's some new ones cooking inside of you. You should listen to God because he wants to do something through you. Jesus People Movement. Man, there's so many moments in history. I mentioned the Jesus People Movement because we're, we're literally standing on the foundation of the Jesus People Movement. This church is literally built. This, is, this was the last location of the Jesus People Movement in Minnesota, the remnant, if you will, of what God did in the 60s and 70s. You know, there's a heritage. There's inheritance available. It's an ancient door. And you open that door through honor and value. You learn from those who have gone before you. And you receive it and then walk in those things. Okay, the king of glory wants to touch your life by you valuing and honoring. You'll see the same stuff that they saw in your life if you'll value it. Now, the modern gate. I love that this stuff happens in private, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a fullness. I want to see this thing go next level. Church revival has been done before. I love it. We're having it. We're in the midst of it. It's just beginning to cook, right? Like, God's presence only getting stronger and stronger. I think we should have altar calls every week because there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to get saved. It's just going to happen over and over and over. We're going to be doing baptisms every week. Why? Because people are getting gloriously saved. That's all awesome, but that's been done before. Yep. Okay, we got that one through an ancient door. That's easy. How about the modern gate? This is what I'm after. See, a gate was the place in a city where the kings would come down to make decisions where businesses would go to do business, where a gate was put into a city wall so that enemies did not have access to the city, but there was a way for interaction to take place. And so they would build these amazing war contraptions, if you will. like A chamber, a room with, where the military could have guards stationed and they could protect the weak place in the wall. This is an opening. And so they would have guards stationed just in case an enemy was trying to sneak in. And and you would never go up to the king's courts to do business with them. No, no, no. The king would come down and sit in the gate. If you had beef to talk with government, you went down to the gate. They're not letting you into the inner chamber. No, no, no. You go down to the modern gate. The modern gate is the place of business. This is where we're going to do trading, where we're going to sell and buy. It's all taking place in the gate. Modern society is the gate. Government, education, business, frankly, every decision that you are making is the modern gate. The decisions that you are making have an opportunity attached to them. Will you let the King of Glory define this interaction? Will you open up the gate and let the God of all those testimonies, of everything he's done in history, will you let it touch your moment right now? Before you go into that board meeting and you're going to talk to your your board of of, trustees for your company and you guys are going to make a major decision. Listen, before you guys discuss and make a decision, will you open up the gate and let the king of glory in? Will you invite the king of heaven to speak in that situation? Now, listen, you work for a major company, and they're like, "Uh, yeah, we don't do religion here. Listen, no, no, no. You are the gate. Okay, I don't need you to interrupt the meeting and go, let's all pray, brothers. Like, that's not what you need to do. No, no, no. You need to open up. What does that mean? That means under the sovereignty of God, I'm making decisions today. Holy Spirit, I give you free reign. To my heart and my mind, would you please lead me, Lord? Would you speak through me? Would you come and invade this circumstance? Lord, I'm letting the testimonies of all that you've done in history educate my mind and my heart because I know you did it before, you want to do it again. So, Lord, this day, would you come, King of glory, King of angel armies, and move through my life to invade the modern battle that we are facing? You don't know what to do with your company? You don't know what's next? Maybe you're facing a bankruptcy, hard times, you don't know what to do with your family's finances? Listen. You don't know what to do with that kid who's wayward? You're having troubles? You're not sure what to do about fill in the blank. You're dissatisfied with how society is going, you don't like the way it's heading? Okay? Well, why don't you stand up and do something about it? I am by complaining. That ain't going to help, is it? No, no, no. What you need to do is, in your places of decision-making, you let the King of Glory touch your world. The King of Glory wants to come in. The King of Angel Armies, Jehovah Nissi. How do the Angel Armies get involved? You lift up the testimony. You let the testimony of past victories educate your decisions right now, give you courage right now. You don't stand on your own. You lean into previous generations. You're not alone in this. There is a heavenly stadium filled with saints that are cheering you on, the scripture says. There's a cloud of witnesses that are surrounding your decisions, and they are cheering you on and saying, all that we have belongs to you. This is your moment. What are you going to do? Will you open up the gate of your influence and let the king of glory begin to influence through you? Or, hear the warning, please. Hear it with love, because I love you so much. Or, will you let the disappointments, the losses, the battles... The lies of the enemy, demonic influences, politics, economics, list them. Will you let these modern influences corrupt your heart and make you embittered against the previous generation? Will you condemn the moment and blame God for it? Will you turn away in this moment? Will you be like the Israelites whose generation saw the miracles and then came to the very edge of promise and in a single generation lost 40 years of time because they refused to remember the testimony of what God just did. And they allowed their modern circumstance to bring fear. And they disqualified themselves from entering in themselves. I want us to enter in because this promise is for us. I want us. I know our kids are going to get it. I know our kids are going to get it. Our kids are going to get it. But are you? Are you? Or will disappointments, embitterments, unforgiveness, all this stuff that anchors you, will you let it ruin your opportunity? Ancient doors, modern gates, let the King of Glory in. Are you alive? Would you stand to your feet? God wants to breathe on us, y'all. He wants to breathe on us. He wants to see his kingdom come through your life. Lord, we say thank you for all you've done and are doing. Thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the spiritual fathers and mothers, Lord, who have walked before us and influenced us and impacted us. God, this morning, listen, I need you to come into agreement with my prayer right now, okay? I, I don't need you to... I, just, just give your yes and amen, okay? Lord, I thank you for Alan and Dorothy Langstaff today. And, uh, Father, for the impact of their lives and all it's meant for the nation of Australia and all it's meant to our lives, Nicole and the colonized and the house church. Father, for the pioneering path and their faith that brought them to this nation and the sacrifice they've made. And my father, right now, we stand in the gap as this church, we stand in the gap on behalf of Beth, their daughter. She was just told that she literally has days to live. That's it. Lord, we proclaim in this moment that you are the victorious one and we give thanks, Lord God. We give thanks that you have healed, oh, time and time again, you've removed cancer from bodies. Lord, I lift up the testimony of my dear friend Ray, who literally was diagnosed and told he had a death sentence, and Lord, he's standing here today, Lord, with with no cancer in his body, and Lord, your faithfulness is so true. Your faithfulness is so true. And so, Lord, with, with respect for the doctors, Lord, I deny their claim. Beth will not die in a few days. I proclaim in Jesus' name that the leukemia must leave her body. I proclaim in Jesus' name that her immune system shall kick in and that that the transplants that have taken place, that these things are, are, are not just successful, but the king of glory is coming in right now. And so we speak that she will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and that her days are not being cut short. And so we proclaim today in Jesus' name that you will live, Beth, you'll live. Father, I pray that you would hedge in and protect and keep Alan and Dorothy and their family, Lord, as they are are standing in prayer right now. I'm sure they are, Lord, but kept from them because she's in another nation. They can't get to her. Lord, we proclaim that she's not alone. And in spirit right now, Father, I'm asking you to dispatch an angel to go and to stand by her side and to proclaim to her. Lord, whether she's in coma or in her mind right now, that your angel would minister to her right now. And We speak life in Jesus' name. We speak life. We speak life, we speak life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for the heritage of revival that shook the nation of Australia and the charismatic movement that went worldwide, Lord God. Father, and that this house stands on those foundations. And Lord, it's worth asking for a move of God today. A move of God that the gifts of the Spirit and all that God wants to do in our generation are rising up. Oh, Lord, there will be a modern move of God that would touch the nations, Lord let it start with us let it move in this house let it start in our region father i thank you i thank you for the pioneers of those who've gone before us father i thank you for for leif hetland and his impact on my life lord and god in the the the, the orphaned heart that was there and and your love came breaking in and you did it through leif's life and i thank you lord that 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 inheritance is ours and that you want to do that today. And so, Lord, I pray for every orphaned heart in this room today, that the love of God, the love of the Father would come and sweep in and would bring healing to your hearts today. I mark you for this church, that you would walk in wholeness. God, I thank you. I thank you today for Dave and Deb Crone and their the heritage of revival and faith, Lord, that birthed significant things in California, Lord, and they saw a, a, a building come up that that was impossible to build, and they built it, and they came here, and they released their testimony, and we're standing in it today, God, the miracle that you provide, and Lord, I thank you and proclaim to this church right now that if you're in financial hardship, that the Lord provides for you. Believe. You're literally standing in a testimony. That the Lord knows where you live and he knows how to provide for your needs. He knows how to fuel the dream of your heart and make provision for it. So don't be afraid. Step into it. Step into it. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for my dad and mom, Lord, who labored for my salvation. And Lord, I stand here today and in faith and believing and knowing, oh Lord, that you touch lives and you encounter us. And God, I, th- I thank you for... Church, you don't understand the costs that people go through. Lord, the sacrifices of every family, and Lord, the ones we've lost along the way. Lord, who are home with you, and now our cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for their lives. Lord, thank you for Rob Bonahum. <laughs> thank you for Dan Benson. Lord, there's so many others, and we're just so grateful. And Lord, I thank you that the seeds that have gone into the ground and sacrificed, O so Lord, that none of them are in vain. Lord, today we open up. We open up. Lord, come and have your way. Come and have your way. God, I pray for our children that they would encounter you. That they would encounter you in such power and glory. Their lives would be transformed and marked forever. That they would walk with you all the days of their lives. Lord, I thank you for this generation of world changers that stand among us. And I'm asking, Holy Father, that you would breathe on them in this moment. You would empower them to grab hold and seize this day. Lord, I pray for the inheritance of a thousand generations. Godly ones that have walked before us, that it would come upon you as a people. That you would walk in the blessing of the Lord all the days of your life. That the blood of Jesus and his mercy would cut off iniquity from your family lines and His goodness would mark your days. I bless you, church. I bless you this morning. Father, bring increase. Bring increase, oh God. Bring increase, God. Bring increase, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For those suffering with disease, the Lord heals you. In Jesus' name, we cut off the disease from your life. We proclaim the blood of Jesus over you. Cancers, you must go. In Jesus' name. You must go. In Jesus' name. Cancer, we cut you off. In Jesus' name, you must go. The Lord rebuke you. You must go. Be healed. Be healed. Parkinson's disease. The Lord rebuke you. You have no authority. You must go. You cannot degrade their bodies any longer. In Jesus' name. I speak over psoriasis and arthritis, things that are crippling people. The Lord rebuke you. You must go. We speak a healing balm to every body, every joint, all the skin, all of that. We declare healing. Be cleansed this morning. Be cleansed this morning. In Jesus' name. Shoo. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just linger just a moment longer. You don't want to miss this. The Lord is moving. God, come and have your way. I proclaim in Jesus' name this morning that this church is a refuge for the broken. It's a refuge for the broken. You will find mercy here. We are those who have received mercy and we give mercy. We decree over you a release of mercy. Be forgiven, be washed, be cleansed. Be transformed and changed. Let the power and the love of God touch your life. But what you have to do is you have to receive it. you got to open up the door of your heart so that the King of Glory can come in. He loves you. He wants to touch your life, but you need to open up your life and surrender to him. And so I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I'm asking that all of us, that you would pray with me this morning, that you would speak this out, and those of you who are being sincere, Jesus will come. He'll bring transformation to your life. Would you pray with me right now? Every voice, Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus that he died on the cross in my place. And today I surrender. I open up the door of my life and I invite you, Lord, come in. Be my Lord, be my savior. Please forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. King of glory, come in. <sighs> Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you seal? Would you move powerfully? When we receive Christ, what he's done, listen, you honor the previous generations. What has happened in previous generations, and you have access now. And so, Lord, I just release the blessing now once again. You would come upon these who have found life this morning. Alive from the dead, Lord, that your presence and your ministry, Lord, those who have gone before them, dads, moms, grandparents, previous generations, oh, Lord, that your kindness would fall upon these today as their ancestors pray for them, Lord. I bless, I bless, I bless. I decree these things today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody who dared to agree with that thing said, amen. 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 All right, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week.